Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to today's episode, which will likely deal with some dark topics and sometimes sweary words. So listener discretion is always advised. For ad-free and bonus episodes, click in the link in the show notes for exclusive content. You can support the show at buymeacoffee.com or by giving me a rate, writing a review, or subscribing to future episodes. And with all my marketing blah 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 out of the way, on with the show. A Million Other Choices is a true crime podcast. And as such, we do discuss some dark topics that might be triggering for some. As you are a true crime listener, I support you in your curiosity. However, having lost a family member to homicide, my message is always to remember not just the victims, but the families and friends left behind, and also the officers, detectives, and prosecutors that work tirelessly for justice. There are links to make monetary donations in the show notes, but more importantly, if you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and press that fifth star on your listening platform to help me grow the show. I hope you enjoy the following episode. Hi, crime fans. This is A Million Other Choices, and I'm your host, Kim. I am so freaking happy to be here with you today. I have a great case for you, and when I say great, you guys know what I mean. It's interesting. This one kind of blew my mind when I first heard about it. It's not from Calgary or Canada, but you'll forgive me when you hear it. However, you should be warned that it does deal with the death of an infant. So if that's a trigger for you, be warned. But I will try to gloss over some of those details. And like I always say, by the time we're hearing these stories, it's too late. The person's already gone. This is just the aftermath that we're left with. I can't change the story's endings as much as I wish I could. This is the death of Darren Gailey and Charlie Hendrick from Michigan. I first heard about this case on episode 196 of Sword and Scale, which for those of you that might be unfamiliar, it's a true crime podcast. And if you can handle the host, Mike uh, Baudette, then feel free to check them out. Uh, he's He can be fairly controversial. He's very opinionated. Um, but the cases that he does are, are very interesting. And I think that he does a good job of them. But I believe this particular episode is behind a paywall. So unless you pay a monthly subscription, you aren't able to access plus episodes. And I'm pretty sure this one was a plus one. So my sources for today are from CBS Detroit, The Daily Mail, Inquisitor.com, and the Sword and Scale episode 196. On November 22nd of 2014, 
Darren Gailey, a 29-year-old grocery store clerk from Oxford Township, Michigan, came by his ex-wife's house to pick up his seven-month-old daughter, Charlie, for his overnight supervised visit. Darren and his ex-wife, Amanda Hendrick, had been granted the divorce only three weeks prior, and this was his first visit with Charlie since the divorce. The visit was being supervised by Darren's mother, 65-year-old Sylvia Miuska. Sylvia was Darren's caretaker as Darren had some intellectual disabilities and a seizure disorder. At around 10 a.m. on the morning of November 23, 2014, police got a call from Andrew Gailey to report that his son Darren was missing. Andrew had gotten a call early that morning from Amanda that Darren had not returned with Charlie the night before. Amanda had tried calling the police the night before, but had been told that she couldn't report him missing until 24 hours had passed. Insert your eye roll here. Police had gone to the house in Oxford County, but knocked on the door only to get no answer. And that was pretty much all that they did and all that they felt that they could do. When police arrived that morning for Andrew's call, they tried the doorknob and it opened. As soon as they opened the door, they were confronted with a horrifying scene. Sylvia Mayuska was found draped over the living room sofa with her wrists slashed and dripping the blood into a bucket. She was barely alive due to the loss of blood. Darren was found dead in the bathroom. He was laying on the floor with his head propped up on a pillow against the tub, covered to the waist with a blanket, and wearing his boxers, one sock, and leather winter gloves. His throat had three distinct gashes running ear to ear, but only one of the cuts had severed the carotid artery, killing him. Little baby Charlie was found in her crib, curled up on her side as if asleep, fully dressed in a onesie, pants, and a cardigan. She too was deceased with no notable injuries. However, an autopsy would reveal that she died as a result of blunt force trauma to the head with a soft object. I have never heard of that before, but the nature of babies is such that you could beat a baby to death with a pillow. Um, one of the police officers did a little bit of an interview about it and tried to explain it, but he he did a really terrible job and, um, you know, referred to the baby as it and used the word perished and it just was terrible. So I'm not going to use that. And he really didn't explain it very well. So basically she died from blunt force trauma. My heart completely sank into my stomach and I'm pretty sure I went completely pale, but don't know how I looked, but I just knew that I was devastated. He was always willing to help, always willing to talk. He was just a great guy. This is, this is terrible. Him and the baby, I, it's unbelievable. You know, he never did anybody any wrong, and you know, that baby, I mean... According to court reports, Darren had, in addition to a seizure disorder, central processing impairment, speech and language impairment, and severe attention deficit disorder and expressive impairments. His impairments were such that he needed help managing his money and some life skills. So his mother Sylvia managed his money and was his guardian. Sylvia had filed an order of protection against Amanda, claiming she was physically and mentally abusive to Darren. Four days later, the investigation was still open, and they had not been able to interview Darren's mother, as she was still in critical condition. But they have a theory. Sylvia and Andrew Gailey were from Oakland County in Michigan. Sylvia was an artist who had done very well with her paintings, and she was working as an appraiser at an art gallery. Andrew was a blue-collar worker. 
Not sure exactly what he did. All the reports just say a blue-collar worker. When they married, Sylvia had two daughters from a previous marriage, Dora and Meredith. Together, they had Carly and Darren. Sylvia had a very tight bond with Darren due to his challenges, and she was a strong advocate for him. Some might say to the degree of being a bit overbearing. She did not have a good relationship with Amanda, seeing as she was taking over the role of caretaker for Darren, who, you know the story, mums have trouble letting go of their little boys, some more than others. So the theory is that Darren, tired of the bickering between his mom and Amanda, the divorce, and, and he had also recently filed for bankruptcy, So things weren't going very well for him, so he killed Charlie to give her freedom from what he considered to be her suffering with the bickering, and then ended his own life, taking literally three stabs at it because he struggled with understanding the biology of where the carotid artery is. Sylvia, discovering this, tried to take her own life, not being able to live with the death of her son and little grandbaby. Friends and family, including Amanda, don't really disagree with this assessment. They don't want to believe it, but Darren had his struggles. And as much as he loved Amanda and Charlie, a mother that hates your wife is very hard to live with and had led to the divorce. He doesn't want to hurt his wife. He also doesn't want to hurt his mother. It's a tough situation to be in, but does it have to lead to divorce and then suicide? Let's look a little closer at how this relationship between Amanda and Sylvia deteriorated over time. In 1996, when Darren was 11, Andrew's parents passed away and left him close to $1 million. Sylvia soon filed for divorce from Andrew. It was an extremely bitter divorce as Sylvia had made it pretty clear that she wanted that money for her disabled son to be able to set him up and help him. She would withhold visitation from Andrew. The court battles continued over the next 10 years. Something I know a little bit about personally. She would force Darren to write letters to the judge claiming that Andrew abused him. She continually tried to sue the trust fund set up for Darren, which Andrew was the trustee of. And she managed to do that. Now she used a portion of the money to set Darren up in case she passed away buying him a house in Oxford and getting him a job at a grocery store. But she spent the rest of the money herself. Parts of what kind of person Sylvia was, I am very familiar with, having divorced someone like this myself. She used the court system as a playground. She sued anyone she could think of and tried to get money from all different types of legal harassments. She sued Andrew repeatedly. She sued her neighbors. She filed a false claim of injury against a store. She became known to the judges in Oakland County. She is what the Canadian courts would call a vexatious litigant, meaning she'll sue for fun and without any cause. Darren was an easygoing person and did whatever his mom asked, until one day when he met a girl online, Amanda Hendrick. Amanda did think it was odd that Darren had to ask permission to go on a date, as by this point he was a grown man. But Amanda immediately fell in love with his quirkiness and kind nature. Now, Amanda had her own struggles with, I think it was mental health. I'm not sure if it was mental health or intellectual issues like Darren, but she, she had some struggles. Amanda started to try and teach Darren to be more independent from his overbearing mother. This drove Sylvia to distraction, and she immediately hated Amanda. 
But when Sylvia found out that Amanda collected disability money, suddenly she welcomed Amanda into her son's home to live. Everyone was pretty surprised, but Andrew Gailey knew Sylvia well enough to know what was about the money. She figured she could take Amanda's money for living there. Now, speaking again about Andrew, he stuck around Sylvia a bit after everything that she had done to him in court, but it feels a bit like it was kind of a do-what-I-say-or-else kind of relationship after that. So Darren and Anne, Amanda were engaged in 2013, and Sylvia knew that her control over Darren was going to end once they were married. And they did marry in August of that year. None of his family showed up at all, including his father, Andrew, who actually sent the invitation back. Amanda was surprised to find out that she was pregnant very shortly after the honeymoon. Darren was thrilled. Sylvia was not. She left him messages on his answering machine when she found out that the baby was going to have too many issues and needed to be aborted. Obviously, this was not going to happen as Amanda and Darren were excited to be parents regardless of any issues a baby might have. So Sylvia used her courtroom skills to get guardianship over Darren. So now she's in control of not just his money, but his entire life and any choice he made going forward. A total Britney Spears move. She used his disability against him to gain control over his life. Sylvia decided the first order of business was to kick Amanda out of the house, pregnant and all, and then cut off all communication between the two by changing his phone number. And then, to top it off, she actually filed for divorce on Darren's behalf. Darren was helpless, and he had begged her not to. Little Charlie Hendrick was born April 10th, 2014 only five days after the divorce was filed for. Darren had to ask permission to go see Charlie and Amanda at the hospital from Sylvia. She allowed it, but insisted on going with him. According to Amanda, when holding Charlie, she said she held him, quote, like she was diseased, end quote. She only allowed Darren to stay for 30 minutes. According to Amanda... Sylvia took the car away from Darren after Charlie was born to bribe him into getting a vasectomy because, quote, we didn't need another mistake in this world, end quote. Amanda and Darren together tried to stop the divorce proceedings but weren't able to. At the courthouse when the divorce was finalized, Darren asked his dad to hold Charlie and he wouldn't do it. This broke Darren's spirit. After the divorce, Darren was granted a supervised visit with Charlie every other weekend. And guess who insisted on supervising? Sixteen days after the divorce was finalized, and only the day before Darren and Charlie died, Sylvia contacted Andrew and complained that Darren was ruining her life by making him pay all her bills and that she had been forced to file bankruptcy for him. And she said she couldn't do this anymore, that she hated him because of what he was doing to her. She was complaining about a car seat she had to purchase in order to have visits with Charlie. On Friday of that weekend, they came to pick up Charlie. The next day was Amanda's birthday, and they were to have her back by 5.30 p.m. 
Amanda called the police around 8 o'clock that night and called Andrew early the next morning when they hadn't returned. Now, remember that I said that family and friends couldn't disagree with the police's theory on what happened? Well, one person did, and that was Andrew Gailey, Darren's father. Sylvia, who clearly expected to be dead at this point, left a binder on the table with instructions about life insurance and, and banking documents and three sealed suicide notes, one to Carly and one to Dora, his half-sister, and one for Andrew. The binder and envelopes had been picked up by Darren's sister, Carly. Now, why the police never picked up the binder or the envelopes, I don't know. I believe that they felt it was a murder-suicide and figured it wasn't any of their business. I don't know, it's, it's a bit weird, but anyways. While Sylvia was still in the hospital, Carly read her note which for the most part were Sylvia's instructions to Carly to take care of legal issues and to give the house back to the bank, and then she told her to move on and live her life. She wanted her and her sisters to toast her life, ending the letter with, Sorry for the way things ended. To let Darren live would only bring more heartache. Much love, Mother. That last line bothered Carly. What exactly was she talking about? So she gave the letter to Andrew. Andrew provided all three notes to the police and told them to go back and start the investigation again. Andrew's letter said in part, Andy, Darren lived a full life. It is not sustainable without enormous effort on our parts. The expense is too costly, both financially and emotionally. I baptized the baby and surely she is in heaven with Darren now at peace and protected from Amanda and her brother. She can't hurt Darren anymore or inflict mental anguish on their daughter. Hopefully, after a few months, everyone will move forward and realize that what I did was for the good. I'm sorry for any anguish I have caused you. It was done with an open heart. Take care, Sylvia. So investigators brought the forensic team back to the house. They used luminol, and it was gruesome. In Darren's bedroom, his bed was bloody, and there were drag marks to the bathroom and the kitchen. But the house had been clean to the naked eye. And beside where the binder had been, they found a receipt for the car seat, which she meant for someone to return and get her $63 back for. On Sylvia's phone, they found a Google search for carotid artery. She had spent all of his money on forcing the divorce from Amanda, so she murdered him. Sylvia had waited until Darren and Charlie were asleep and took a box cutter to his throat, only slashing him, not severing any arteries. Darren got out of bed holding his neck and walked to the bathroom. Sylvia laid him down and tried to comfort him by putting a blanket over him and gloves in the pillow because he said he was cold. She then googled carotid artery and cut him a third time, killing him almost instantly. She then cleaned up the house top to bottom and beat her seven-month-old granddaughter to death and walked to the living room and slit her wrists. Sylvia was charged with two counts of first-degree murder. Amanda was relieved that Darren hadn't done it. Sylvia was initially found unfit to stand trial, 
In December 2014, Judge Lisa Asadorian ordered that Mayuska be placed in the state's Center for Forensic Psychiatry in Saline for evaluation on the issues of competency and criminal responsibility. Why, you ask? Because she seemed preoccupied with not being able to find her eyeglasses and kept asking about them. So the defense felt he couldn't properly represent her if they couldn't have a meaningful conversation. She was treated at the forensic facility for about a year and was finally deemed competent to stand trial at a February 29, 2016 hearing. A trial was scheduled for October 12, 2017, but she pled no contest to second-degree murder charges instead of facing a trial for two counts of first-degree. The judge asked if she wanted to say anything before sentencing. She talked for seven minutes, telling the court how she was a good mother and about all the sacrifices that she had made for her children. Andrew Gailey had some things to say as well. You are pure evil. You will enter prison at the bottom of humanity. I hope you burn in hell. In hindsight, I wish I had gotten to the house two hours later and you were bled out. You are vengeful and evil. As did the judge. What I really heard is defense counsel uh, expressing regret and remorse on behalf of the defendant. What I heard from the defendant is a lot about her and what she did throughout her life. At the very end, we got to the point about feeling sorry. She was sentenced to a minimum of 25 years to a maximum of 50. She was 68 at the time of sentencing, so she will die in prison. Now, I don't know if Darren was officially on the autism spectrum or not, but the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network made a statement about this case in regards to caretakers. Quote, We are particularly disturbed by the fact that Darren's mother was widely known in the community as an abusive guardian. In his life, Darren encountered numerous mandated reporters and concerned community members. That no one intervened and put a stop to an escalating pattern of abuse is a travesty which calls into questions the efficiency of Michigan's adult protective services and guardianship courts, and the larger system of guardianship itself. This was a preventable tragedy. There is a code of silence which discourages individuals from, from reporting abuse, particularly the abuse of people with disabilities, at the hands of family members. And it seems clear that this silence ultimately cost Darren and his daughter their lives. Basically, if you see a concerning situation, please report it. Gavin DeBecker says in his book, The Gift of Fear, which I highly recommend that you read, that a moment of feeling foolish is better than a lifetime of regret. So report it. Take the next elevator if the guy in it freaks you out a bit. Tell the creepy guy at the bar to F off. And always trust your instincts. And that was the murder of Darren Gailey and little Charlie Hendrick. By the person who that should have loved and cared for them the most. Please join me again next week for the big case, the one you've been waiting for. I'm really excited to get it recorded for you. In the meantime, if you could share, rate, review... That would help me out so much getting these stories out there to as many people as possible. But honestly, the most important thing you can do for me to show your support is to keep listening and to tell your friends to at least check out the podcast if you think they would like it. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.